everyone. Welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about why you should swing a kettlebell. As a matter of fact, I was swinging my kettlebells yesterday, and hopefully this will make you want to pick yours up and start swinging them. So I have a very special guest today. His name is Vince Metzo, and Vince taught me everything I know about kettlebell training. As a matter of fact, I produced a kettlebell training video years ago, and I looked to Vince for a lot of leadership and guidance and also application on how to apply kettlebell training in everyday life and how to teach it to clients. So today, Vince is going to share with us a little bit about the history of kettlebells because it's a fascinating, rich, rich history. And then he's also going to talk about the application of kettlebell training to everyday life and sport. Vince is the director of fitness education for New York Sports Club. He is also a licensed massage therapist and the director of education for kettlebell concepts. So stay tuned because we are going to talk about using kettlebells to help your clients move better feel better and understand the connection between their mind and their body. So Vince, I'm going to bring you in and I would love for you to say hello and tell me if there's anything I've missed about your accolades because I know they're long. <laughs> no, that was wonderful, Angie. That's that's good. You got it all in. Okay. Well, you do. You come with a rich history as well. And I want to kind of start with that. So I would love for you to share your history in fitness and sport, because I know you were a dancer. You were also an acrobat. And I'm curious how that led you into the world of fitness training and how that led to you wanting to put kettlebells in your hands. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting in the fitness industry, as I've gone through it, I've met more and more people who come from an arts background. It's not as atypical as I thought at the beginning. I thought most of the people who went into fitness were former athletes. But growing up in New York, I didn't have a lot of access to team sports. You know, we played baseball and softball and stuff out on the pavement in the courtyard or in the schoolyard. But what really influenced me growing up was Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly. And Gene Kelly, as you may know, did a lot of work or advocacy, if you will, for how dance can help athletes, which I always thought was really interesting. And from there, of course, I got into comic books, and with comic books came martial arts and acrobatics. And after a while trying to support my art career with contracting and demolition and working in restaurants and stuff, I started training myself. I started lifting weights. And lifting weights really helped me with my acrobatics and my dance. And I thought it would be a great way to change my career path and do something that was more healthful for myself while I was helping other people. Hmm, that's super interesting, actually. You know, that is for all the years that I've known you. And I think we met 
somewhere around 2007. I, I don't even think I realized that about you. And what an interesting connection. And you're right, you've introduced me to a, a number of people who started out with an arts background. And I do feel like it's that inquisitive mindset that is very conducive to kettlebell training and fitness in general. And no, I did not know that about Gene Kelly. And I find it fascinating that, you know, the whole comic book connection, that's not something I would have ever <laughs> thought of, but I, I don't think, I don't recall ever really picking up a comic book, Vince. So true, true confession. Yeah, I mean, so. maybe, maybe that's more a, uh, an XY male kind of thing. Uh, at least back then it was, but you know, Spider-Man and X-Men, a lot of us were waiting around for our mutant powers to kick in during adolescence, but somehow it didn't happen. So we had to go into fitness or go to the gym. Uh, well, you know, truth, I was waiting for my 17 magazine to roll out for the next <laughs> month. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what were the latest fashion trends and what was I supposed to do to take care of my skin? So, you know, you've been in a lot of lead roles at Kettlebell Concepts, the Swedish Institute. You were also, and now you're at New York Sports Club. I'm curious, what's a common connection and common theme in your mission as you take these different career paths? Well, that's developed over time. And one of the main things that it comes down to is this idea of noble purpose. It's not just enough to make money. Making money is a result of doing something that has a noble purpose. And noble purpose is working as a community with others to elevate that community. And that's really something that I've tried to do uh, since early on in my time at Swedish Institute, whether it's teachers who are colleagues or a department that I was running or the program that I was running, really look at our responsibility to the greater community and support that noble purpose, not just selling sessions and making money um, at any of those places. So that's mainly what has been the, the through theme. And within that, uh, within that mission, if you will, the theme has really been physical culture. And Noble Purpose was a big part of the physical culture movement back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So looking at a sound mind and a sound body and using exercise and movement to improve the quality of one's life, one's community's life and society as a whole. Yeah. And the whole sound mind, sound body. And I think honestly, the whole idea of noble purpose, I might have to steal that one from you and put that on a sticky note, almost <laughs> as an affirmation, because I do believe that um, for me and I think what is always what I've always admired about you is I sense that in you and, and uh, one of the happiest I've ever been in my career was when I taught university students. And honestly, I'm not making this up, but it's also being able to do these podcasts because it feels like a greater noble purpose. It feels like it's not about selling sessions and working one-on-one, -on -one, but being able to get information out there because the more information that's out there, the more that information spreads to another person and another person. And the whole idea too of the physical culture movement and a sound mind and a sound body. I think that some in some ways in fitness, we keep moving toward body shape and size and we lose that whole idea of 
a sound mind and a sound body, that it has to come from inside. And so that actually leads me to my next question, because you gave me a perfect lead in. And that is that you and I are both very passionate about kettlebell training. And one of the things that stands out to me the most is what I learned from you, and that is the rich history in kettlebells. And because they became so in vogue a number of years ago, I don't know that very many people recognize the culture and the history behind kettlebells. And I know you could probably talk for eight hours on this, but still I could listen to you talk forever. And I would love to just Give us the soundbite version of the rich history of kettlebells. Sure. Well, thank you for that, Angie. The kettlebell started off as a weight on the scales at the farmer's market. So it was a counterbalance scale and you could put a kettlebell shaped object on one side and then you'd know that your stack of potatoes or your sack of grain uh, was indeed the weight that you wanted it to be. And then the Russian peasants, as it were, started exercising with them, started throwing them around. There was juggling, there was lifting, and then it turned into competitions and things like that. I think in a way, though, the history is a double-edged sword. So in one way, I think that the fact that kettlebells have been around so long and became the national exercise of Russia, of the Soviet Union, and in very much the same way that in an in some Asian countries during lunch, they do Tai Chi or Qi Gong together. Mm -hmm. The kettlebell sort of played that role in Russia. So in many Asian countries in Russia, in other countries, they have a physical culture. So we, we exercise with kettlebells. We exercise with Qi Gong or Tai Chi. And in the US, you know, Back in the early 1900s and then after the Second World War and going into JFK's administration, we really switched over to a sports culture. So it wasn't about exercising in order to better yourself and your community and be ready for labor and defense. It was mm -hmm. about just winning and competing. And... Mm -hmm that really has separated people. I mean, look what's happened in our physical education system. You know, if you're an athlete and you show some promise or you're good at something, then you play and all the other kids are saying, oh, I have a stomach ache. Oh yeah, coach, it's my time of the month. I, I can't take gym today. Oh, I forgot my sneakers. So I think the big take home message from kettlebells is that in Russia, they played that role of a physical culture, a type of exercise that most people did. And we need to find that in the US. We need mm. to find something where we're all moving purposefully and it's keeping us fit so that we're not a danger to ourselves and others should there be a fire or something like that. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that you explained that so well. I want to reintroduce you, Vince. I'm speaking to Vince Menso, and we are talking about the benefits of kettlebell training, and Vince just did a deep dive into the rich, rich history of kettlebell training. But Vince is the director of fitness education at New York Sports Club. He taught me everything I know about kettlebell training, but he also has experience at the Swedish Institute. And Vince is what I call a true historian, and he also has been talking about a noble purpose in exercise, not just exercising for sports and competition, but exercising for what Vince refers to as a sound mind and a sound body. And how as a culture and as a society, wouldn't that be wonderful? And I like what you, the analogy that you gave of like in Asian cultures, practicing Tai Chi more as a community-based effort to practice mindfully and to come together, not to compete. So um, that was so well said, Vince. And I, I, I guess I agree with you on the whole double-edged sword thing is how do we find that medium place or that middle place in our culture where we're not competing and we're not either the haves or the have-nots. We're either very athletic or we're not. And how do we find something that we can all do to make us all move with greater purpose and feel good on the inside? So thank you for that. I, I would love to coin that and just have that replayed over and over again. So let's talk about the, the kettlebell application. What is it about kettlebell training that makes it beneficial for all levels of exercisers? And this is kind of where I'm hoping you'll deep dive into the benefits of kettlebell training, especially the neurologic benefits. Well, on one level, Angie, as I said before, you know, the history of kettlebells is a double-edged sword in that there are historically ways that kettlebells have been used and there is a certain type of kettlebell lifting that they do in competitions. But to think that that's all that kettlebells can offer is where that double-edged sword comes in. You know, it's great that it has this history, but to rely on history and tradition to really open up the potential of the kettlebell and the potential of our clients using the kettlebell is where the problem comes. There's so much more that we can do if we apply the principles of exercise, physics, exercise, physiology, and all of those other things we know to kettlebells. Probably the two main things that are the foundation or the underpinning of why kettlebells are so useful for the general population is that A, you're standing and weight bearing, and B, it's dynamic movement. So it requires you to focus on what you're doing and be in touch with or be in the moment. It's almost a, a mindfulness if you're going to do it correctly. Now, you can beat yourself up with the kettlebell, slam it into your shoulder and you know do repetitions till you puke. And there might be some you know traditional aspects to that, but that's not necessarily how we're going to get the most of the kettlebell for our clients. So number one, stabilizing the trunk under dynamic inertial constraints. Number two, being able to move fluidly and take advantage of gravity, momentum, inertia. 
So really what we're doing with kettlebells is developing skill. And when we develop skill, that's not just a physiological change in our body, that's a neurological change in our body. And that's going to transfer to when we're lifting up potting soil or mulch or fertilizer and doing gardening, when we're helping a friend move, when we're jumping out of the way of a taxi or grocery shopping or any of those other things that we do in everyday life, they're going to be supported by doing exercises that are dynamic in nature, require skill and are done in a standing position or are weight bearing. Yeah. And if I had to recap that, I think the first thing that stood out to me was the standing and weight bearing, because I do think that we as a society would benefit by standing more and weight bearing exercise is good for bone density and just the whole dynamic movement and development of skill, just helping people to train smarter, not harder, and really understand the application of kettlebells and building skill in their mind and in their body. But also I love the fluidity and almost what you said about the mindful training, because I do think that when I'm, when I'm working with kettlebells, almost more than anything outside of say yoga, I am so present centered. There is not a moment where I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. And like you said, there's lots of ways you can use the kettlebells to beat you up. But what I love is the application of kettlebells for skill. And um, I, I like that. So, so thank you. Is there anything you would add to that? Or did I do a good job of recapping well, that? No, you absolutely did. A, yes, you absolutely did a good job of recapping that. The one thing I would add is tying back to your previous question and our talk about noble purpose, physical culture, sports culture, is that you know Native Americans have a culture where movement is a prayer, dance is a prayer, there's a ghost dance and a rain dance and all of these other things. So when we're moving dynamically with this external resistance, the kettlebell, in a weight-bearing position or standing up, that's engaging us mindfully, but there is another aspect to that. You know, it's sound mind, sound body, but within that also comes our mindfulness and our emotions and all of those other aspects to it, as well as increased cognitive functioning and focus and things like that. Yeah. Well, and it, it's funny that you said the whole cognitive function because um, I always, uh, as a as a long time group fitness instructor, I truly miss the choreographed formats. I actually really miss teaching step, not for what it did to my knees and my hips, but for what the choreography and the presence-centered uh, exercising did. Um, me being able to appreciate all those patterns, to be able to teach those patterns, to be ahead of the game, um, it was such a cognitive burst as well as a physical bonus. And so I think that kettlebells are the next best thing, being able to understand the timing and execution of kettlebells. So yeah, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, that's a, that's a big one. 
Um, so again, I'm talking to Vince Mezzo, and he is the director of fitness at director of fitness education at New York Sports Club. Vince also has um, he was formerly a at the Swedish Institute. He's also a licensed massage therapist, and he is also the director of education for Kettlebell Concepts. So Vince has given us some really golden nuggets so far. He's talked about a sound mind, sound body, and and using exercise as a noble purpose to help others. So Vince. I I have a question about kettlebells. Do you think that there's any precautions that trainers should really think about before introducing kettlebell training to their clients? Well, any principle that is applied to fitness in general should be applied to kettlebells. So the said principle, the specificity principle, the principle of use and disuse, the fit principle, the recovery principle, the principle of individual differences. I wouldn't say so much that those things are cautions or precautions, but more that we need to look at the kettlebell as what it is, which is basically a weight with a handle on it, and not think that it has some sort of magical properties that can be benevolent or malevolent. You know, what you wouldn't take any more precautions with a machine or a dumbbell or a barbell than you need to with a kettlebell. And I think that's maybe part of the lingering uh, change that we've seen in the fitness industry is that, you know, it's okay to move fluidly. And just because you're not on a machine doesn't mean that what you're doing is inherently unsafe or requires any additional precaution than common sense and good training precautions that you'd take for anything. Uh, we've spent a lot of time with kettlebell concepts and other organizations as well, doing studies, looking at loads on the lumbar spine and the knees and the hips and the neck and the shoulders. And in most cases, kettlebells have turned out to be to offer additional benefits like posterior shear forces, increased intra-abdominal pressure that's going to help support the spine, increased um, activation of trunk muscles while we're doing these dynamic repetitions, as well as in some studies being shown to be more effective for reducing pain in the upper back and shoulders and uh, lower back than traditional methods, right, of stretching and slow strengthening. So again, if you're a fitness professional, thinking about posture, breathing, all of those things, they apply to kettlebells just like they would apply to anything else. Don't think that just because you're doing a dynamic movement with the kettlebell, that that somehow makes it different. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, for me personally, kettlebells have helped me tremendously with my lower back. So, um, I've also think that they've helped me tremendously with skill based training and 
they, it's funny because when you were talking about the old PE classes and so forth, and just the way that we differentiate between athletes and non-athletes growing up, I never would have defined myself as an athlete, but as an adult, I've always defined myself as an athlete because traditional physical sport competition based was never my thing. But once I found things like kettlebell training in ways that I could find my own personal athleticism, my whole world changed. So um, Vince, I have one more question for you. Just, I'm mm -hmm. super fascinated by it. And I think I'm going to have to have you back on again so that we can deep dive a little bit more into this, but I know a little secret about you and that's that you've been taking up juggling. And, um, I know you and I also both love Indian clubs. So, you know, we could talk about that, but I, I want to hear about this juggling thing. I know, I want to know why you got started with juggling and how you think that it, um, elevates your training experience. So this goes all the way back to growing up. I've always wanted to run away and join the circus. And I took a lot of circus classes and I learned how to juggle in college first, uh, scarves and then balls. And more recently I've gotten into juggling pins, but a lot of that, when I was juggling, um, let me go back. I, was working with Indian clubs and Indian clubs look like juggling pins, except they're typically heavier. And I did a presentation on Indian clubs at one of the kettlebell concepts conventions. And a friend of mine who went to Ringling circus school said, Oh, I know those things. That's juggling 101. When I went to clown college, we had to learn those first before we learned how to juggle. And of course, there's also this realm of kettlebell juggling. So getting back to Gene Kelly and getting back to what you were saying about choreography and teaching, Angie, there's a lot to be said for skilled, purposeful movement and precise movement. And we get that when we learn dance and martial arts and things of that nature that have a very prescribed movement pattern. And there's been a lot of research recently that looks not just at the benefits of cardiovascular exercise for older people, but also the benefits of things like dance and juggling for cognition in older people. And I'm not that old, but that's my ulterior motive to getting back to juggling Indian clubs, juggling, juggling clubs and juggling kettlebells is that just doing 50 snatches with a 50 pound kettlebell is kind of boring for me at this point, but trying to learn these more complex movements where you really have to focus and release the kettlebell and there's timing and coordination and all of those things has this extra benefit on centering, focusing, mindfulness that I'm really looking for now in the exercise that I do. Mm. You know, you, you kind of had me stuck at juggling scarves. My mind is like, Hmm, how do you juggle a scarf? And then I went straight to you juggling pins and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I'll go back to the scarves, but I do think you are so that is so well said. I train senior clients and I do think that dance is beneficial, not only because of the choreography, but also the community, but also because of the complete mindfulness and the experience, the patterning, and again, 
the choreography. Mm -hmm. And so I think juggling is much the same way. And uh, I, for one, want to start practicing juggling. So um, Vince Metzo, I'm so glad that you came on and joined me today. I know that I'm going to want to have you on again. Um, if you joined us late, I hope you go back and have a listen because Vince said, shared some really great golden nuggets about kettlebell training, everything from having a noble purpose in our training to just the cognitive development of kettlebells and just how to use them in everyday life and sport, but also how to train our clients with them. So thank you again for joining us, our NASM and APA community. I am Angie. Thank you, Vince Metzo, and we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.